following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. Got a phone call. Goes something like this. Hey, Mark, someone has started working at our office and that someone is not a Christian. And I'm like, ooh, big shock, right? Because we live in post-Christian society, and that's going to be probably most of us, if we work in an office, that's normal. But that wasn't the big news. This wasn't just not a Christian. This was a person who, like, hates Christians and, like, serves another kind of faith that is really kind of yucky and kind of hostile and really thinks that Christians cause all the trouble in the world. And I'm like, well, maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, we certainly are participants in it. And so the, the concern was, well, what do I do? How do I do this? How do I react to their behavior in their sort of hostile activity? And the short answer is, well, you know, and I'm, I, anytime someone asks me those questions, I begin praying, because who am I to answer anything like that, right? And I'm like, okay, Lord, what should we talk about? What should we think about? And then the Lord was kind of like, well, you know, duh, you're kind of preaching on it, so you should just tell your sermon, which I didn't. But the idea is I'm going to tell you the sermon, which is to say the question is not what this person is about or what they believe or what their actions are. The question is, is who is this person? Who is this person? And how are we to treat people? How do we handle people? See, if you notice, if you've ever noticed, our thing with humanity is that we put people into categories and we measure them. Do we? I mean, we measure ourselves, we measure our, our family, we measure our friends, we measure the people we don't know. When athletes are getting all the news headlines because they're doing crazy things, we measure them and we measure everybody else. We measure people by their behavior, by their whatever they say. I mean, really, it all is behavior. We just measure people. We, what did Jesus say? We judge people. And I find it so interesting, and we'll see this in a moment, but anytime we read in the Bible, it says, Jesus says, don't judge. Everybody's so immediately quick to say, oh, but they, he doesn't mean all the time. Oh, really? Well, let's take a look at this. Because if that's true, then what is he, why does he say it to us? So we begin with the question of, who are you? I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself. So don't, not, don't talk about those people yet. Talk about you. Who are you? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make Adam, and I know that sounds strange to us because we think of Adam as a dude, and he was, but it's the word that means human, humanity. Let us make humanity. Most of our translations will render that as man, but it's not some sort of sexist comment, which it gets claimed to be. No, let's make humanity in our image, which the whole plural thing about God, that's just kind of cool, and we'll talk about that another day um, in more detail, but just know that that is like the triune God, just showing off a little bit, and in our likeness, and let them, notice he uses the plural for Adam, in reminding us he's talking about all of humanity, rule over all. Time out. Did you know that you were made to rule the earth? That was why you were made. So whenever you sit there and you're like, I don't know if I can even get my pants on in the morning. I don't know if I can go to work. I don't even know if I... You were made to rule the universe, to participate with the king of kings in the ruling of all things. And if you read that scripture there, he actually, the, Moses actually like gives you a list. Like, you know, the creatures of the field and the ones that craw creep crawlies and the ones in the ocean and the ones out in the woods, all of them rule all the creation. And so, you see, you were designed, you were built from the ground up to rule. Now, 
we always have to highlight, we did this back in January when we were studying Genesis page one of the Bible, um, we highlighted that when we think of rule, we tend to think of drawing a sword or getting in a tank or you know, launching nukes or something like that. Well, in this case, you know, God's idea of ruling is probably more like picking up gardening equipment and start working the ground and taking care of the animals and loving everybody and there's children running around and there's people planting flowers and there's people making music and there's artists and, and, and artisans crafting and doing different things and they're making this beautiful world. That's what the picture was. That was with the design. And of course, we know that on page three of the Bible, well, it didn't work out that way. And we're left with what we have now, which is a big mess. And yes, there's still some beautiful spots and there's still some people making music and artisans doing their crafts and there's all this thing going on still in this world and we look at that and we're like, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. It gives us hope, right? It's a good thing. God's the one who's spurning, spurring all that on. But make no mistake that you, and this is what I want you to you were made for everything, made to be at the top, not at the bottom. This is so important. And then look what he says. So God created Adam in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, some of us will be looking at that, and we've all been on the cable news channels this week, and we're like amped up about gender issues. And we're like, see, the Bible says male and female, he made them. You know, and then we get all like, and then I'm going to say, I think maybe you have a case of plank eye, if that's the case, right? We're going to talk about plank eye here in a moment. But we're not going to judge people if they say, well, I don't think I'm a male or a female. And we're not going to do that. That's not what we're going to do. But what we are going to do is we're going to, we're going to identify the, our design. Everyone in this room fails to live up to their design. Okay? Just because someone makes it a public issue doesn't mean that that's a bigger or more, or more deal. We're not going to measure people by their behavior, their choices. We're going to recognize who you are, who I am, and that is we're made in the image of God. And so when we engage people, we're not going to engage them on the level that is to say, well, you guys are a little less human than us guys because we've got, we're following the Bible, so we're better than you. I'm like, come on, man. Are you following it 100%? Because if the answer is yes, and I want to talk to you afterwards because I want to get your secret, but I'm pretty sure that you'll find that none of us are. And the reason we're not is because of what happened a couple pages after this when the world plunged into sin and evil got inside of our very bodies. See, we have evil in our bodies. So yeah, someone might say, I identify as not a male when I am a male or as a female or whatever the question may be. And we might be like, oh, yeah, that's not right. But the others of us will be sitting there, but they're just people and they're trying to make their way in the universe. Why would we just jump on top of them with both feet? And great question. And so the challenge that we do is we work through this with not a question of measuring people by what they've done, but by who they are. Take a look at Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, because I want, I want us to go a little deeper here, and Psalm 139 goes as deep as you can go. For you, he says, created, excuse me, for you, the psalmist is saying to God, you created my inmost being, you knit me together. And I looked at it, I was like, what's the Hebrew word for knit? It's knit. It's this idea where you're actually weaving, you know, it's like the Bible is very clear today. It's you're weaving things together. And you can imagine God sitting there, and I'm thinking about where Karen is today because of you know, the pause. You know, you're, this is, you're emulating God when, you're, when you guys are making prayer shawls and so forth. And so you're knitting together. He, he made you individually. So you might look at Genesis 1, and you're like, yeah, he made everybody like that. Yeah, but he made you specific, not just in general, but in particular. He made you. He knit you together in your mama's womb, and, and then he says, I praise you because I am, and there's the traditional translation, fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's a very good translation. But I want us to think about what it means. 
Fearfully is like a strange word for us. See, and it actually, if you like study the word, it means awesome. Now, the problem is we live in a culture where, as we learned in the Lego movie, everything is awesome, right? Some of you guys are what, what? But see, and then if everything's awesome, then nothing's awesome, that's a problem. In this case, it's the original word awesome, which means you look at something and you actually are filled with awe and you almost recoil because it's fearful. It's so powerful. It's like when you look right into the sun and it's too much. But this is more than that because it's not just that it hurts you. It actually causes you a little bit of fear. Have you ever like been close to a really large animal? Maybe for the first time you were at the zoo and you walked up to a big lion. I mean, there's kind of a, you know, you know there's the wall there. He's not going to get you. But there's that feeling that you have. Your body's kind of like, should we be this close to that creature? And, and that's that feeling of being fearfully. And it's this idea. And I want you to see yourself that you've been made like that. This is what scripture says. You're like, wait, Mark, are you saying that I am like a lion? I'm like, no, the Bible says that. You're actually, the way you would just run that logic through is you were honored. You were made in honor. And I found that not everyone is willing to allow themselves to think about themselves like that. So I want you to at least allow scripture to speak of you the way you are. You were honored. You were fearfully made. You were made in honor. And then this other word, which is wonderfully, now, I want, you know, we think of like wonderful, like today we're going to be eating food here in a little bit and it's going to be wonderful. And that's true. But wonderful, again, go back to the older version of wonderful, which means it's something that is fill, it caused you to be filled with wonder. It is this idea that there's nothing like it. So you could think of like a waterfall you've seen or you saw a beautiful sunset or you went and saw this amazing place where there was people doing like special artwork or, or dancing or something and you were like, that. I've never seen anything like that. That's what I want you to know. That's the way God <laughs> looks at you. You are fearfully, you are amazing, you are honored, and you are one of a kind. There's nothing like, nobody's ever seen anything like this. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. This is the good news of God for you and for me. And when we define people according to their identity, rather than according to the way their behavior is, everything changes. Because I might sit here and look at some of my friends or family and be like, you know, when you say that, I just, I, I don't want to hear that anymore. That's what a lot of people say about me. They're like, mm mm-hmm. And so the idea is, would you just shush up and get on with it? But the idea is, when, I understand that, but what if you looked at someone not based on what they do, but based on what God has done to make them into who they are? Everything changes. The whole sliding scale or whatever it is shifts. And this is the question. So then, with that in mind, we go see Jesus and we sit with him at the Sermon on the Mount in, in, in Luke chapter 6. I guess it was the Sermon on the Plain there. Same kind of sermon, different location. Jesus said, do not judge. Now, if you immediately swell up with the urge to say, well, I have to judge. Of course I have to make judgments. My mom told me when I was growing up, it's, i got to be careful who I run around with, right? You know, this is what I understand. That. There's a practical thing. But if your heart swells up with an immediate reaction to say, I need to be able to judge, I want you to go ahead and get the toolbox out and start working because there's a problem. If you feel like you have to defend your ability to judge, then you are no longer working according to Jesus' design here. And what he is saying is do not judge. Now, the Greek word is krino, which means condemn. And so we see it following up with a, a synonym of that, another condemn word. So, yes, there are times we will, you know, you might be walking out on the street and a guy comes up to you and says, hey, you want to buy some of this? You know, he opens his jacket. He's got like 18 f- fake Rolexes or something. And you're immediately making judgments. And I understand that. 
And so, yes, there is a time and a place where you navigate reality and you're like, I don't think that's for me. But we don't have to condemn him. We don't have to say he's a lower person than us. In fact, Jesus said, don't do that. Don't disagree with Jesus. Jesus told you and me, don't judge. Don't condemn. And, if you're, and while you're at it, forgive as I forgave. Okay? Because um, when you're forgiving, you'll be forgiven. And so here's the deal. Whatever measure you end up using, that's the measure that'll be used for you. And I know everybody's like, Mark, I thought you never like preached like that. And I'm like, well, the Bible says it. Jesus says it. So we ought to like listen to it. It's a cool idea. And when we understand this, and I want you to, it's very, very important that you hear this. So just so you know, Mark, who is telling you what Jesus said, Mark is a judger and a condemner and a person who struggles with forgiveness. You're hearing me? I'm not sitting here going, oh, wow, be like me, because I never judge anybody, and then as soon as I do, I'll be like, I mean, are you kidding me? We all do this. That's why we have that thing that swells in our heart. This is, oh, he doesn't really mean that. No, he does. So what happens is, is we ask for the measure that he used for you and me to actually be used by us. And what measure did he use for you and me? Romans chapter 5, verse 8, because we have to quote Romans in every sermon. And that is, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and for me. So what we are called to do is to join Jesus in his mission, and that is while there are people who ain't doing it right, we should die for them, if need be. Some of y'all who are veterans understand what that means better than the rest of us. You know, you ask a veteran, you know, what happens when you go out and you put your life on the line and some of your brothers actually gave their lives and then you come home and the people aren't necessarily appreciative of it. Do you feel like, should I have actually done that? Well, actually, according to Jesus, yeah, you, did a, you, you honored that. You honored your, your service. And so the idea is whenever we go through life, what we're doing is we're actually laying down for other people. And so many people will say, well, I don't think Jesus is telling us to be a doormat. No, I think he's, actually, he's inviting us to trust him which is a very interesting idea. Luke chapter 6, verse 41, because here's where the rubber hits the road. Like, oh, Mark, that's all nice, but how does this actually work? So when you look, excuse me, Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You know, I've read this passage a thousand times in my life because I've been, you know, just I was raised in the church and, we, and I've heard lots and lots of sermons on this passage and all of them were good sermons. They were really good. But I had never until this, this time when I'm sitting down looking at this seen the word brother. That's why I put it in large letters and made it yellow so you would look at it with me. Isn't it interesting? We're worried about whether we've got specks or planks but the real issue is that person is your brother or your sister. That's who they are. See, recognizing this idea that everyone is made in the image of God and each of them is uniquely beautiful. Each of them. Every single person in your life. And those people that you meet that you're like, I don't like that person. It's them too, right? That's who it is. And so this is what goes into what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 6. He says, why do you look at the speck and not pay attention to the plank? And what I want you to do is, yes, we got to deal with the plank. But the first step in dealing with the plank is to look at who they are. Recognize who they are. So that way, when you think, well, that person doesn't hold my political point of view, that person doesn't hold my cultural point of view, that person doesn't hold my faith point of view, that person doesn't even like the chiefs, and they should, 
you know, and see how they see what happens here. The Packers fans that are in this room, all these other people. Um, I, hope there, I don't think there's any Jaguar fans here today. But the idea here is that, is that no matter what your views are, right, and, and we, we use that as a silly example, but then the idea is like, let's set all of that on the shelf and let's see who they are. Let's see who they are. And then let's just walk with them. And let's see what the Lord does. Let's trust Jesus to handle all the stuff that we can't handle. Because you know what that is? That's called letting your light shine. That's what he says a little later in this passage. He goes on, he says, let your light see, be seen before men. You know, it was a couple of years ago at the LSC, that was the, that was the core passage that year, which was this idea, let your, let your light shine so that your deeds may be seen before people, and then when people see what you do, and you're doing it for Jesus, they will glorify God. That's what happens. Take a look at verse 42. He says, you hypocrite. This is, by the way, what a lot of people don't realize is that the hypocrites in the scriptures are almost always the people in church. A lot of people think the hypocrites are the ones who go out drinking and then come to church. No, they're the ones who are already at church and they're looking down their nose at the ones who showed up after drinking. So you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly. So how does this work? Let's get practical. So Mark is in the drive through at the local place, and I'm on, I got like this short amount of time because I'm coming out of an 11 o'clock appointment, going to a one o'clock appointment. I'm thinking to myself, I could sneak a quick sandwich in between, and I get in the drive-thru, and there's this person in the drive-thru that's like, you know, how many sesame seeds are on the bun? You know, one of those people, right? And they're just having this long, extended, like, archaeological study about the fast food in the drive-thru. And then, you, and then Mark begins judging them and condemning them and certainly not forgiving them because I'm like, lady or guy, you're going to make me late. And what if we just, whew, you know what? None of that matters. This person is made in the image of God and made not only just in general, but fearfully and wonderfully made. And what joy could I find in actually maybe even having his or her disposition to just slow down, to maybe be still and know that I am God, kind of slow down. And to actually sit there and just go like, you know what? Whenever I get there, that's when I'll get there and the Lord will handle everything. And I might shoot my people a text, say, hey, I'm going to be a couple minutes late. It's okay. And I, what's happening is the Lord is helping me take this plank out of my eye. And you know how you do it is you actually just pray. Lord, <laughs> my, heart's gr- my heart's like broken right now. It's like jacked. Help me fix my heart. And you know, what you, you know what Jesus will do? He will send his spirit and he will do just that. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and a little bit from 18. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, no one according to the flesh, literally speaking. We just don't, record, we don't, we don't look at people that way. That's the way we used to do it. Now we're not going to do that anymore. And I know if you're like me, it's hard. Just like I told you when I was in the drive-thru, it's hard. But I have to cry out and say, Lord, please help me. I don't know how to do this. All this, what we're talking about, all of this, all of it, is from God who reconciled himself to, to us, us to himself, through the Messiah, through Jesus, the rescuer, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We keep saying it, and we'll keep saying it. It doesn't make any sense that God would want to save the world through us. And yet that is precisely what he has called, what he has declared. Take a look at verse 21. I'm going to ask the question like I started with, who are you? God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, 
to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I want you to hear this very clearly. This is so important. Don't miss this. Because everything we've set up to this point is like, it's good advice, I would argue. It's good advice not to judge your neighbor. Jesus said, don't do it. And we're like, okay, but I do it anyway. I try not to, right? And so you just kind of leave and you're like, well, I'm going to try to be a little better this week. And you see what happened there. Because if you talk to me, I'm like, don't try harder. Don't get better. Don't try to do more. Because the more you do that, it just is like this rubber band. So you'll, you'll maybe make it to Monday or Tuesday. By Wednesday, you know, when this, this person cuts you off in traffic, I mean, you're like, what a jerk. This is what you'll say. Or something like that. You know, maybe you don't have road rage like I do. But whatever it is, somebody will do something. You'll see them on the news, whatever it will be. And at that moment, I want you to go back to ask the question, who are you? You are the righteousness of God, not based on what you do. The measure used for you was this. Jesus doesn't look at your behavior. He looks at Jesus' behavior. He looks at what Jesus did on the cross. He who had no sin became sin. Everything that you and I have, which is junk, right? He took it upon himself. And everything that you and I don't have, which is called like righteousness, holiness, blessedness, blamelessness, all these biblical words, that's what he gave to us. Uncle Marty called it the glorious exchange. That's Uncle Marty's Martin Luther, right? And so he called it the glorious exchange. And what he said is he said, everything that was of Christ is now of you and me. And everything that was of you and me is now born in the body and the blood of Christ and he takes it from, that's why we call him Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that saved you and me so that we can look out with freedom, even in the midst of our sin and our brokenness, and say, you know what? I don't always get this right, but those people are made in the image of God, and each one of them is uniquely made, beautifully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. And then we can take one step at a time, and we can recognize that. And that will cure our plank eye a little bit each day as the Spirit dwells in us and points us to Jesus so that we can love our neighbors. Can we pray about that? Because we're going to need some help. Let's ask him to help us with that. Father, we pray boldly right now and we ask you to indeed cure our plank eye and instead fill us with your Spirit so that as we leave here today, even as we're here eating with one another and we make judgments, this is what happens, that we will look at one another in love and that we will see each person made in the image of God, both to rule this earth and also to be fearfully and wonderfully made as unique individuals. And I pray that we would see the beauty that you have made in that, and that we would look for, in, our, in the midst of all of our brokenness, that we would look for your work in each of our lives. I pray that you would do this by the power of your spirit through your word as that we would seek to continue to grow and hear these words of Jesus, hear these words of the apostles that are sent by him. And I pray boldly that we would grow in that all because of your power, because of what you have done for us, that he who had no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And God, our Father, we pray in the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.